Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to stand again for prayer. I appreciate these guys every Sunday, you know, holding up my arms as we, we pray. But this week, though, right now, this time, I'm not going to have you do that. I'm just going to jump right in because, you know, I want to follow up on that, the importance of um, invitations and, get, and sharing good news. And uh, so we, well, here's, here's what we gave out. We gave out 500 of these around the neighborhood, around the church here yesterday and so we had enough people they started at nine they were done by 10 30 10 15 10 30 but we have almost another 500 still yet left so i know that each one of you in here has at least one friend no let me change that because i know you you have at least one enemy that you would love to share this with it's not exactly heaping coals of fire on their head it's more like um kool-aid fruit chews kool-aid taffy and fruit juice. So especially if you're a dentist, you want to pick up several of these and hand out in your neighborhood. But I just want to point that out to you, see if we can get all of those gone. Uh, let, them, let you take them uh, with you today. And if you would, go ahead and join me in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, here's my philosophy. You know, I've been here at Harvest more than 10 years. I think anyone who has preached for 10 years or longer, then you have earned, earned the right to approach Mm, holidays and special days, not having to look at the typical passages. So we're going to be a little bit unorthodox. And whenever, you know, Keone had told me, you know, for Easter, uh, we're going to do an escape room. And I thought, that, that sounds really fun. And that's not what I, you know, would have thought. I mean, usually we do uh, Easter egg hunts and, you know, giving away candy and stuff like that. But escape room, okay. So I thought, well, then then I'll just do that. I'll make our series leading up to and through Easter about escapes. And so Palm Sunday was a time that you really want to bookmark on YouTube because you'll be coming back to that, right? I mean, we, it was Jesus' triumphal entry, but he wasn't received as king. And so we will be coming back to that in the future I don't know if today's message may be one that you want to bookmark for future reference on YouTube or not, but I decided this Sunday, I really just want to speak from the heart, and I'm no good at that. I'm such an introvert. I, 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 you know, I can't really speak from the heart unless I can find it in Scripture. If I can find my heart in Scripture, then I can speak from that. And the scripture I wanted to approach Palm Sunday from is here in Matthew 5, because really the triumphal entry was triumphant because of what Jesus was entering into. Now, it just so happens that God's made this kind of, you know, one of those Sundays that's more difficult than others, and uh, because mom certain moments are more pressing than others. But, uh, you know, when at 10.13 a.m. last Monday, a 28-year-old former student shot her way into a Christian elementary and preschool in Nashville and started killing, that, you know, that's something gets your attention. And fortunately, two Metro Nashville police officers arrived, and they, did, they, they didn't want to wait. I mean, they entered immediately into the school. They engaged the shooter up on the second floor, and by 10.27, it was over. But in those 14 minutes, three other adults and, and three children died, including the principal of the school and the daughter of the pastor of the church. Five others were wounded, three of those were children. 
And these acts of violence war against our spirit. And they're intended to attack and capture and bind you in the same darkness that was living inside of the perpetrator. We posted on our Harvest Facebook feed something I wrote just 10 months ago after the um, elementary school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, and about how to have hard conversations with your children after a mass shooting. And I, I wanted to do that because I know we feel so totally at a loss about how to define or prevent that darkness ever occurring anymore. And so in this case, the shooter had the freedom to choose her pronouns, but she removed the freedom of those families to watch their children grow up and then take care of them in their old age. And, you know, if you're an idealist, you recognize that people have such an incredible potential for good. Our children in this church, every single one of them, such incredible potential. And then at the same time, if you're a realist, you recognize that human beings can become containers for evil. They can be willing to make themselves conformed to the devil, who is both a liar and a murderer from the beginning, John chapter 8, verse 44. So she eliminated the freedom to live for the children that she took out of this life who were all just nine years of age. I mean, you really want to make a statement when you do that. A female mass shooter, it's almost unheard of, and especially a woman killing children. I mean, maybe unless she takes testosterone. I don't know what the details may have been in her particular case. All I know, you know, after the event, we send in the mental health professionals. We send in the Red Cross. We offer our thoughts and prayers for the families on their loss and to the community for that tragedy. But we have no ultimate answer as a society to eliminate that darkness. We're not allowed to say it's a moral issue because they say only the murder itself was immoral. We can't say it's a spiritual issue because the activity of the demonic cannot be acknowledged. We can't say it's a Bible issue because God cannot be admitted as evidence. We can't say it's a biblical worldview issue because the spirit of our age contradicts it. And we can't say it's a values issue because society behaves now as if the biblical values of family life itself deforms our children. So we're in darkness on all of those grounds. And the dysphoria results from trying to make reality match your thinking instead of making your thinking match reality. Hello, somebody. We make our absolute standard to be liberty and democracy, and yet truth is what produces liberty. Jesus said that is the truth that makes you free. Uh, Freedom doesn't result in truth necessarily, so here's our thesis for today's study. Freedom without light is still just bondage. Let's create the light so that we can see a victory, just like we sang in the first song we sang today. 
Here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is ministering in a time of violence. And I understand we are the most free, the most affluent, the most educated and well-cared-for people in the history of this planet. So when we read about Jesus, automatically we put him in our context instead of us in his, and we think he was born to freedom and opportunity and privilege. No, Israel was occupied by Rome's army. And the reality is Jesus never lived one moment of his life in a free nation, and yet never did he live one moment as a slave. Jesus speaks and acts in the context of a moment, a week, just like this. And while Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is Jesus' manifesto, and it is the king's constitution of his kingdom when he returns, it is still valid to show us the path to reclaim our sanity and escape our darkness. Now, I admit that the end game of that journey seems way too idealistic. I mean, look at it with me in verse 48, Matthew 5, 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, have you ever known somebody who had unreasonable expectations for your life? Maybe a parent, maybe a step-parent, maybe a spouse, maybe a coach, maybe a teacher, and you thought, man, that's totally unrealistic. There's no way I could do that. Well, God is not setting you up for failure here. The standard only seems unrealistic until you recognize this. Is, let me hit you with the definition. The word perfect means a spiritually minded Christian in his or her present state. So it means a person who has trusted Jesus for everlasting life and been born again. Because then the Word of God does the work because the Spirit always answers to the Word. Because when you get saved, then the Holy Spirit regenerates and rebirths your human spirit, Titus 3.5, and your soul, your mind, can now understand and be influenced by God's mind and His words. So your personality starts being transformed by that renewing of your mind, Romans 12.2. And your body is sealed because one day it's either going to be raptured or raised and you'll be changed, immortal and incorruptible, just like Jesus, 1 Corinthians 15. That is the condition of any true disciple and discipleship truth produces freedom. So how do we escape? How can we dispel this present darkness? God perfectly fulfills who he is as God with both goodness and with long-suffering. But it is impossible for unregenerate humanity to live up to God, what God created Adam to be unless we get God on the inside through his spirit and his scripture. And that's why we are a disciple-making church, out to make you a disciple-maker with us in Christ's mission. Because without that, we are all human beings who live inhumanely. We're creatures with the highest intention. I mean, we were created with the highest intention. Our soul a place in God's purpose for eternity, 
and yet we are the only beings created by God who can betray that intention. So to dispel this darkness, first off, notice if you will, and this is number one, you must realize that Jesus, the Word, is the completion of us as humans. Look with me at verse 38, Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, because that is the language of the street. Now, is also the language of the Old Testament law uh, intended to be used in a judge's court ruling so that vengeance never went beyond what was just. Deuteronomy chapter 19. So God understands the thinking of the common person who does not express this verbally, and yet, verse 38, that is exactly what they live by day, day by day. Jesus lived in a hood where it was not wrong to do wrong if you had been wrong. So if you'd been wronged, it was not wrong for you to do wrong back because doing wrong when you were wrong was always right to do. Verse 39, but I say unto you that you resist not evil. And that violates the thinking of our society. I mean, that one verse right there blows up every counseling session, every psychotherapy session you have ever had. I mean, certainly our gangs do not accept this idea. Certainly the shooter's mindset is not that, partly because they can't think straight in the first place, apparently. But these are the rules of the kingdom of heaven as it will be in the millennium. So Jesus is able to to go on. So these are the laws of Jesus. This is the... Not just the law, you know, that was the law of the street. These are the laws of Jesus' street, which are pure gold. Verse 39, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Man, I am so much not like Jesus. (laughs) You know, I want to say somebody slaps me on the right cheek. I want to say bob and weave. (laughs) I want to say block and strike. I want to say, float like a butterfly, but sting like a bee. (laughs) Now, after Jesus' kingdom is rejected, he does tell his disciples to resist evil, Luke 22, verse 36. And we are told to resist the devil, James 4, 7, Hebrews 12, 4. So the context is important because Paul sets us such a higher standard so that we can help others escape their darkness. Look at it with me in Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So, you know, if there's no peace, don't let it be on your your fault at your doorstep. Uh, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Move over and let it pass, because it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If if he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap Kool-Aid taffy on his head. Because to escape our present darkness, and this number two, you must display meekness through the power of your ministry. 
When we see evil, we want to war against it. When we see violence, we want to violently suppress it. And what the human government has to do is almost the opposite of what you and I need to do as individuals to dispel this darkness. And yet that does not put us in a position of weakness or a posture of apathy. We are not the cowards. We are the ones with faith who shine the light so that darkness has to flee. The darkness in other people's minds, the darkness that is in their hearts, has to flee when we shine the light. So here's our first point for study. If you do not trust God, you will always have a right reason for doing wrong things. It seemed as if the Metro Nashville police did exactly the opposite of the uh, police team in Uvalde, Texas. I mean, 10 months ago, they hesitated to engage at Robb Elementary. They waited 74 minutes to halt an active shooter who they could have stopped within three. But five officers of the Metro Nashville PD had urgency. They communicated and they acted with passion to protect they started scanning the classrooms and the bathrooms until they could locate the sound of the shots. And you know, the thing that struck me is that every officer now knows they've got to be prepared to be their own SWAT team leader. God, I wish we had that attitude as Christians. Would to God we had that. Every member a minister. Every member, 2 Timothy 4.2, has to preach the word and be instant. That means at an instant, in the moment, instantly and insistently. Preach it in season, out of season. To do what? What are you doing as you preach? You reprove, you rebuke, you exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, teaching from the word of God. We've got a continuous narrative in American society, of mass shootings and racial discrimination. And whatever laws we put in place, it does not cure the human heart. It does not erase that darkness. And this is so crazy, because when people get wounded today, they take their wounds and turn them into their weapons. We breed our own toxicity, and then we bleed that toxicity, and we become the agents and the servants and the containers of the weapon wounds that have been inflicted on us. I mean, it's almost as if sin has a life of its own. Romans 7, verse 8 and verse 23. But there's a way to escape this darkness that no weapon of war can ever achieve. Display the meekness of powerful ministry. And then third, as number three, erase darkness with the light of receiving God's kingdom. Verse 40. And if any man sue thee at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whatsoever shall compel thee to go a mile, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Now Jesus is talking to Jewish men in an unequal and unjust relationship with Roman soldiers. And it was an unequal fight in an otherwise equal world. And so the Roman soldier would slap you in the face just to instigate an act of retaliation, which would then justify 
his cadre of soldiers having reason for a further act of violence and thereby jeopardize your whole community, your family and your community. They would confiscate your coat if you were cold. They would appropriate your time and your strength to carry their load for up to a Roman mile for them. And Jesus says that's their kingdom. And here's our second point for study. You can run in fear. You can cower in weakness. Or hey, this is Palm Sunday. You can shine a light to the unsaved, which humanity does not understand. But you can shine it so that humanity can understand. Jesus says, look, my kingdom hadn't come yet. But you are subjects in it right now. So you need to dispel darkness by acting like you know who is king. I mean, the Thessalonians did this. They lived in the midst of darkness, which was directed straight at them. There on your handout, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, Darkness has been dispelled in your church so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith because darkness yet surrounds you in the community in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. So at the bottom line, you who are troubled, rest with us. Persecution is actual attacks, 2 Corinthians 11. Tribulations are the pains that accompany persecution, Romans 8. And, you know, it might seem that we know very little about these things in American society today until the darkness that surrounds society, acts to attack us or afflict someone we love. And then we discover how the kingdom has been, that we have been translated into, is designed to bring patience and faith. We're not not transgendered, we're translated. And that is our true identity. So we have the faith To not retaliate. We have the patience just to keep going afterwards. I mean, isn't that a contrast to what we see in every mass shooting? And then your faith grows and and the glory of this church as Christ's body shines and darkness is dispelled. They, they lived in the midst of darkness and they were shining a light. So next, this number four, find wealth through the power of generosity. Now, I'm not just talking about generosity of you tithing. Praise the Lord that you tithe. Please, keep tithing. Uh, you know, we got the fence up now around the play, uh, uh, play center outside. And that was a few thousand dollars. Uh, I think they've maybe finished fixing the roof. Well, that was tens of thousands of dollars. And I don't have to hit you up for those things because that's why you tie so that, you know, God's able to take care of us like that. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about 
the person who says, you know, wait a minute. I got a matching cloak for that coat. I have a tie. I'm wearing a tie right now that matches that coat. You cannot take the coat without the tie because clearly you cannot take the cold like I can. And and I'm going to give you my coat and my cloak because I'm stronger than you. So you don't lose your patience of faith. You build yourself up in faith and love because of what you see in the light. You see that God's righteousness will not be thwarted one day. I mean, have you ever noticed how darkness operates out of the fear of not having enough or else the envy of not having as much? And news outlets say that the Nashville shooter was assigned female at birth, and, you know, assigned means you gave them something that they didn't already have and maybe they didn't really want. You know, nobody in that uh, room assigned her something she did not already possess from God by waking reality. And our problem is uh, we used to acknowledge the power of peer pressure among our children and teens. I mean, we used to, and that social contagion which comes from peer influencers, and today we deny we ever had the thought that young people were even suggestible. No, they must absolutely know exactly who they are and what they want to be. So we've turned that concept of peer pressure into a pernicious myth. Huh, okay, well, I mean, just doing the data... Uh, Young people in California identify as trans 38% higher than the national average. And in the Progressive Davis Unified School District outside of Sacramento, uh, it is three times higher than in California as a whole. Why? Because peers on TikTok and through other channels pressure you to envy what you do not have. The devil will take advantage of the dysphoria of being an adolescent. I mean, he'll pressure you in the normal struggles which are adolescents to think that you can only be relieved by denying who you are, by becoming something else. I mean, that's darkness. That is the devil's deception that is designed to lead you to sin which works death, which bringeth forth death. Romans 7.13, James 1.15. The consequence is that our children are not mentored in how to be generous with who God made them and minister to others from who God made them. And this shooter happened to be transgender, and most of them are not. But the darkness behind all of them is the same. And that's our third point for study. When we deny God's truth in any area of life, you become a slave to the sin that results. However polite or pernicious that sin may manifest, that is the darkness in which we live. That is the darkness that you are called to dispel. How? Well, look at verse 42. Give unto him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Well, wait, I've already given a second item of clothing and I've, I've, I've already walked a second mile in my own sandals. 
Well, yeah, but we will only dispel darkness, the darkness of our dysphoria, by becoming what no one else is, godly and Christ-like. I need everybody under 25 to look at me. I don't care what the rest of you do. You can look at your phone right now. (laughs) This is the moment. You've got to choose a greater freedom. This is the moment. You have to choose a greater freedom. If you take one step back from who God made you, and what you have in Christ, and claiming that as your eternal identity, then you will have become darkness's slave. And you may think you can predict where that will end up. I think all the rest of us over 25 would say, no, you can't predict. You know, as your pastor, I want you to be biblically courageous. Uh, courageous enough to own everything God has given you and then give it all away in serving him, give it all away in ministering to the lost, to mortify, to crucify the pride, the envy, the jealousy, and the lust that consume us and corrupt others. And I gave you a lot of verses for exegesis there in your handout. Read them when you get home. So if you're under 25, look at me. Everybody else, scroll on your, scroll on your feed. If you're under 25, every one of you has the Roman in your life. Every one of you has the Roman in your life. He thinks he has power over your life. He thinks that he can control your choices. He thinks he owns you. He thinks he can change your character. But why can you not be the one that when your Roman of darkness says, you can go now because I've just owned you. I made you walk that extra mile. I took that coat. Why can you not be the one to say, look, no, I just got started. I'm going to walk an extra mile. I'm going to take your persecution. I'm going to take your tribulation. I'm going to take your pain which you're only putting on me because of how you hate God or how you hate His Word or what somebody else did or what somebody else said to you. And I'm going to dispel dysphoria and darkness with my faith in the Bible, with patience in Jesus, and with love for you as well as for my brothers and sisters in Christ. How can you not be the one You know, I think that the devil underestimates the strength, the capacity, and the courage of the young people that we nurture and admonish in the Lord at this church. Because when you allow the Spirit to answer to the Word, the Word of God will do the work, and then you shine like a light to the lost. And to change my mind, you will have to prove me wrong. So step into these moments of challenge. Lean in. Be strong and of a good courage, just like Joshua, Joshua 1 and, and, and 10 and 23. 
Because though our society terrorizes you with lies, you are not afraid. In the final analysis, Jesus concludes banishing our darkness with this. Number five, express strength with the power of forgiveness. In this case, I'm not referring to the power of forgiving, but the power which comes from knowing that you've been forgiven. Watch, verse 43. You've heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Now you would expect him to say that they may become children of your heavenly Father, and that is what we want. But it is your display of the light of being forgiven which will allow them to see the gospel of grace in the midst of their darkness. Verse 45, For God maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And the wheat and the tares grow together in this dispensation. And they're not separated until the end. And that is why so many people stop believing in God. I mean, how can there be a God when there's so much darkness that it extinguishes the lives of nine-year-old kids? How, how, can, how can I believe there's a God when we choose to allow this gun violence and live in this opioid addiction and have all these overdoses? But do not confuse the mercies of God with the salvation of God. Romans 2, verses 4 to 6. God is long-suffering, so God suffers long, Many things that he does not approve of or accept, Ecclesiastes 5, 8 and 8, 8, 11. Because God responds to your evil with love. He reacts to your darkness with light. And since that is the case, their regeneration, them seeing the gospel and being born again, needs to begin with light which shines from you. Verse 46, for if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. And there it is. There's another example. I mean, this, you know, I'm all about biblical authority and King James Bible. Here's another example. The scribes in Alexandria, Egypt, could not believe that Jesus would not say instead, do not even the pagans do the same. And so they changed the word in this verse, and that was not picked up, you know, that trash was not picked up until it was lifted out of a trash can on Mount Sinai and put into a revised Bible in 1881. Until then, nobody knew. And now we pull manuscripts out of mummies' noses, I'm just saying. So every modern translation says pagans or Gentiles. Christian Standard Bible, Gentiles. ESV, Gentiles. New American Standard, Gentiles. NIV, pagans. New King James, tax collectors. And I understand it's, you know, it's now April and there are only two weeks until you got to turn in your, you know, have to turn in your, your taxes. And I understand that, but... Um, you know, Jesus sitting out to vilify tax, that is such a bad translation. And his problem was not with the pagans. 
Uh, Jesus did not know any Gentiles. He's not talking to Gentiles. So when Jesus wants the example of darkness, he does not pull from the Romans. He calls up examples of Jews who were oppressing Jews. Now, we used to make the enemy Russian. I guess now we make it China. And Jesus says, look, you can do better than that. Because the enemy in reality is in your own neighborhood. But you are to love that enemy next door to you. And this is our fourth point for study. Because there is a reward in loving the lost, which cannot be perceived by those who do not have the light of God's own love. And that is where we define our greatness when we realize that darkness cannot be defeated by darkness, when we recognize it cannot even be defeated by any weapon of man's devising, not legislation, not bans, not incarceration, not rehabilitation, that darkness is a spiritual issue and it requires spiritual light to remove. Governments do what governments will do to protect their citizens, but the human heart itself was never intended to be a container for hatred or for violence or for bitterness over the past. And that human spirit was not designed to be a source for jealousy and envy and lust. So nations need laws, but human souls need love. And your soul can really only be saved by that change in your own heart which puts your soul into God's purpose for his eternity. Now, this is my final ask for those that are you, you know, those who are here with us on Palm Sunday. And my desire in this ask is greater for you the younger you are because you have the most time left to work. This is your hour, this is your generation even though this is our darkness. If you look at Colossians 1 on your handout, verse 12 says, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. How did he do that? Because he delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Will you be the light in dark places, on this Palm Sunday, will you welcome Jesus to be victor in your own life, in your own heart? The purpose of terrorism is to terrorize. The design of evil is to deceive you away from God's honest truth. The purpose of darkness is to cause you to give in to lies even the hatred and murder of the deceiver. I mean, I don't know how you felt, but that news last Sunday, that violated me. But I hope that this sermon this Sunday troubles you and disturbs you. I hope it desperately makes you want to be the light in dispelling darkness. We can't solve all the world's problems And we can't bring peace every inch of our planet. I mean, those are things that Jesus brings back with him when he returns. But you can begin with life and light in your own heart and the Spirit of God answering to the Word of God and then shine that light to everybody who needs it.
Psalm 36, 9, For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. John 8, 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 2 Timothy 1.10, But God's purpose and grace is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And that is how, and that is why, if you choose a way of light and life, then others will be able to choose a way of light and life. And if all of us choose the light, then we can instill in our children the light of God's life. Your school, your job, your neighborhood will not be different until one person is different. You need to be that person. And when you are different, then the whole world can become different. You need to declare to the world, the flesh, and the devil today, I am choosing a different path. Today I see, I know I see. I mean, here's Jesus. He's not coming in on a war horse, a white stallion. He will, but he's not. He's coming in on a donkey. The son of man coming on a donkey, leading the foal of a donkey, which pictures the sons of men. And I don't care who else doesn't receive him. I'm receiving him. I'm going to walk in his kingdom. I'm going to get the light of his life and I'm going to shine it. I'm taking a different path and I'm not perfect, but I am perfecting holiness and the fear of God. 2 Corinthians 7.1 I've heard the words of Jesus and I choose his light. I am not afraid of this kind of love, of this freedom-based truth. I am not afraid that darkness and hate and hell can prevail over it. I will prevail by God's grace because the way of Jesus is the way of God's kingdom. And the end of darkness begins when I reclaim my lost image in Christ. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Go ahead and stand with me if you would for a moment. Just go ahead and stand. I want you to choose the pathway of light. The light that dispels darkness and never cowers beneath it. The light that acts immediately with urgency and communication and passion. The light that does not delay to see how many people are following before it enters the room. The light that becomes its own spiritual SWAT team to protect the vulnerable, our children and to rescue the lost. You be the person who never embraces their own darkness. And today, I just want us to declare together that we choose the path of Jesus because He is the way, and He is the truth, and He's not in the way, He is the way. And and believing in Him gives you everlasting life. And he has an eternity for your soul. He bought it at the sacrifice of his own life on the cross. And he didn't just die. That's where all the other denominations leave him. He was so much God. He died becoming sin for you. 
so that on him God could lay the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, verse 6. Will you just declare with me today, I am not afraid. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. I'm not afraid. I am not afraid. Choose the light and the life. I am not afraid. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I know that some of you here right now, you've got a war raging inside of you. And there is chaos inside of your soul because there is chaos in everything you've been looking at, everything you've been told, everything you've been listening to. There is confusion. Certainly there is dysphoria. All you have heard is an unclear, confusing voice that the devil is using from people around you. So there's chaos in your soul right now between what God says, what we have told you, and what you've heard from professors or peers or teachers or others. And there's fear. And you've justified not walking in the light because you've been wronged or because you want something you don't have. I want you to be free of those wounds today. I want you to be free of that bitterness today. I want you to be free of that darkness in danger of consuming your life. So I invite you this Palm Sunday morning to cross the line of faith and to receive Jesus as your Lord and then start walking in Him, Colossians 2.6. Because the only solution to the human problem is a solution that our Creator provides for you in Jesus. You say, Alan, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to trust Him completely. I I want to give everything to Him so I can belong to Him. I've got to give Him everything. So if I hold anything back, it's going to trip me. It's going to stumble me. It's going to defeat me. I need Jesus to take it all. So today I choose to change paths. Today, I choose a new journey to give Jesus my life and declare him my Lord. If you want that, will you make this small act of acknowledgement so that I can know who I'm praying for? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but will you just raise your hand high and say, that's me, Alan, that's me. Just raise your hand right now. Raise it high. I am not afraid to say, that's me. I choose Jesus today because I need his life. I need his life. I need his forgiveness. I need his love and I need his healing. Just raise your hand. Hold it high for a moment. Anyone else before I pray? I don't want you to miss this moment to say, I am not afraid. And all you have to do is pray. Just pray and say, God, save me today for Jesus' sake. Just praying from your heart, your heart contacting God, knowing that he hears. God, I need the hope that lives here. So I trust Jesus. Hear Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive my sins. Put a new life in me. Put me in Christ and the Holy Spirit in me. Make me born again. Because from this day forward, I belong to you as my Lord. Now I want you to look up at me, because if 
you prayed that prayer, I want you to come forward, either now or when the, the praise team is singing or after they get done. Um, you know, I, I want to help heal that prayer uh, for growth in the Lord by giving you a book I've written on next steps for new believers. Just come up and ask for it. Um, you know, you may, you may want to come up for prayer. If you need to be prayed for, prayed over, or prayed with, come up and let some of our personal workers here at the front know that. Uh, you know, if, you, if you've attend, you know, been attending here and you want to be a member here, come up and talk to us about that. Uh, we're going to have baptisms in three weeks. So if you're born again, but you've never been scripturally baptized, um, okay, you know, get all in. And uh, we'll do that in three weeks. Next Sunday, Lord willing, you'll be praying. We're going to see the ultimate escape room. Praise team, send us out singing.